Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the Sub-Zero Coffee Podcast. Today we're talking about taking care of your mentals and staying mindful. And I'm joined by a very close friend, a very a very worthy guest, Jessica Lambie. How, how are you, Jess? Hello, Kirk. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Uh, now that I'm joined here with you, mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Good to hear, good to hear. What's the news lately? Ooh, uh, so lately I've... Um well, we're talking about mentals. I've been really working on my uh, mental health and uh, especially working on like depression and anxiety and stuff mm. to uh, prepare me for a big role that I'm taking on with On A Coffee. Um, and that's Excellent. kicking off very, very soon. So, yeah. A lot Congratulations. Of and, and tell me more about this role. Uh, so, I'll be uh, managing the bar and also uh, doing uh, marketing for them as well. And, yeah, we're hoping to create an environment where everyone's equal, so not like your normal specialty coffee kind of bar, where, like, we can all have a discussion, we're all making decisions. There's a hierarchy. Together. Yeah, like, less of that and more community. Well, that's probably a good in- – that's an interesting place to start because it's the structure of coffee bars has a very um, traditional um, sort of sense about it in, in Melbourne. There is usually a top dog, a head barista, and yeah. – um, and yeah, I think what you're what you're talking about is interesting, and they're a very inclusive company. I know the guys mm. quite well, and um, I'm happy for you. Congratulations! Mm, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, now, before we get into the juicy stuff, the mm-hmm. mental taking care mm-hmm. of your mentals and the mindfulness. Oh, yeah. Let's introduce the caffeinated lamb, so to speak. Okay. To the listener. Um, now, you were born in New South Wales, the most populous state in Australia, were you not? Yes, yes, I was in uh, the city of Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, yeah, I don't remember it, but it was, I, it happened. Yep. Um. <laughs> well, look, I, I'm from not far away in Terrigal, which is on the New South Wales central coast. Oh, right, so, it's just that eastern seaboard bend where, you know, and these aren't sophisticated towns, let's be honest. <laughs> they're, they're really not. They're, they're, they're really not. They're not. They're um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bogan, mm-hmm, and you know, mm-hmm, perhaps mm-hmm. at m- sometimes more um, well-spoken bogan, but I'm still yes. a bogan nonetheless. Yes, um, uh, me too, deep down as well. Mm. And yes. you know, you've got to take your bogan <laughs> roots where they come. And so, you went to, you did primary and high school. Mm. Oh yeah, so uh, yeah, born in Newcastle, and then I grew up in Nelson Bay, which is like this beautiful small beach town. Swimming um, with the dolphins. Yes, literally. Um, yeah, growing up there was phenomenal. Like catching my own fish for dinner and crabs and stuff like that, or yeah, like swimming with the dolphins, snorkeling, a lot of boating. And that's what you do as a as a coastal kid. Well, that's what I did anyway, because yeah. I didn't actually surf, but I got around fishing quite a lot. Oh, you never surfed, and you're from Terrigal? Yeah, no, I never surfed. Oh wow! Um, but I did enjoy my fishing and I enjoyed spear mm. fishing as well. Oh, yes. Um, if anyone ever does that, it's an exhilarating sport. It's I, terrifying. It's <laughs> terrifying because sometimes you, sw- you swim over stingrays that are so- the size of a car <laughs> and, <Yeah>. um, <laughs> you know, when your national hero, Steve Irwin, died from being stung by a stingray barb, rest, rest in, lest, lest we forget, rest mm-hmm. in peace, Steve, mm-hmm. um, it, it does trouble you sometimes. But, yes. you know... The, that's all part of the gig and, and we love it and we, we can hear Brutus back there, haven't it? Yes, apologies for that. <laughs> now, you may hear Brutus throughout the podcast and he's, he we've we fed him some treats and tried to coerce him into not barking, but... He's hey, a good boy, but he's a sometimes, very good boy. sometimes he just he just needs a, needs a moment. Oh, God. <laughs> and, let's, and let's talk now your journey from Nelson Bay to Melbourne because, of course, we both have migrated yes. to Melbourne. Yes. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I did, like, all my schooling in Nelson Bay um, at uh, St. Philip's Christian College and then 
going to Newcastle was uh, it was a bit of a hard time for me actually because um, my parents had split up for reasons and things were really really bad. So I was actually living uh, in social worker accommodation for a number of years um, from sixteen to eighteen. Uh, and that was a crazy time for me. It was like, you know, adolescent trying to figure shit out, um, but then also, you know, living without my parents as well. Like, Well, this is why I kind of think you and me are the same person because, <laughs> you know, privately I think I've probably told you that I had a similar sort of situation and, yeah. um, and we'll get into more the, the mentals and the mindfulness mm-hmm. later, but, you know, living forcefully away from your family is something I also had to endure and it sucks. And, it does. Um, <laughs> it's... It's something that probably still, I guess, affects me to this day, mm. but in, in in strange sort of ways. And you have to sort of learn to rationalise that as a as an adult. And yeah, you know, we both do okay at it. Oh hell yeah! We're doing like okay. we've we've come this far. Like yeah. I think I think that's amazing within itself. Mm. And so before we get onto that though, mm-hmm. your first job in coffee, what was that? Oh yeah, so that was uh, working for my mum at Eurobar in uh, Hamilton in Newcastle. Um, that cafe's still kicking around. She's still in the kitchen. Uh, if you want to go say hi to Mama Lambie. Um, yeah, so, yeah, working in kitchens and then um, jumped on the machine, forced my way onto the machine to learn uh, latte art and mm-hmm. learn how to pour rosettas. That was, yeah, my first coffee job. And then from there, a bunch of other places in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the move to Melbourne happened when you were how old? I uh, moved to Melbourne when I was uh, almost... Uh, when I was 22, yeah, came to Melbourne when I was 22, so I'd... Um, how, how, do you, how does that work? You're 21 years old now. Oh, stop <laughs> it. Stop it, Kirk. Stop <laughs> it. Look, I, I... You know what? I'm going to say it here today. I am 29 very soon. Really? <laughs> yep. Yep. You look 21. Um, oh, stop it, Kirk, and you look 15. No. Wait. No, that's... A, wait. Damn it. Wait. No, what's a good age? I don't know what a good age is. I'll take it. I'm... I'm 25 years old. I look like I'm about 100 years old. Oh, you, you don't know, look I've got, 100. I've got some grey hairs coming through and starting to get the wrinkles in my forehead, but oh that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's what happens when you get sunburnt a lot as a child. Yeah. And, and, of course, I'm not a tanning kind of guy. I'm pretty pasty. But, yes, but, yes. But, you know, being the, the coastal kid, you, you tend to get sunburnt a lot, but that's fine. That's, that's fine. fine. That's mm. fine. Um, <laughs> all right, so in Melbourne, you started – you're obviously working um, a couple of barista jobs. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. yeah yes, uh, so when I came to Melbourne, um, I like begged, pleaded, pushed my way onto many bars to get a lot of experience and to learn from as many people as I could. Because uh, the big move here, when I like came here properly, uh, when I was around twenty-two, was to compete. Mm. It was such it, oh my gosh, it was like dream passion. Like I'd uh, done a solo uh, art exhibition a couple years prior, um, which took me like a year to prepare for. With uh, had a series of oil paintings um, based around abattoir scenes. And after that, I was, like, my next project. Like, I'd fallen in love with latte art and I wanted to turn that into, like, my next art project. So I was like, well, I've got to go to Melbourne. Like, that's where I'm going to learn all I need to know and compete. Mm. Uh, so I did. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's a good – it's interesting you bring up because you're actually a very talented artist and it's – and you've done some artwork for me in the past and when, when <laughs> I was competing and you um, – I saw your skull painting that you did the other day with some espresso, which Ooh, was thank you. very interesting. And you're you're just as talented, if not more talented, in art as you are in coffee. And you're very oh, talented you. in coffee. So <laughs> thank you. Um, I'm jealous in a way. I wish I could draw, but I can't. 
But I think you're talented in many other areas, though. Like, you're very personable and, like, the podcast, I, I really enjoy the way you approach topics and subjects and the way you communicate with people. Well, I'm glad you think so. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I hope dude. other people had that sort of appraisal. <laughs> but, I mean, that remains to be seen, but thank you, Jess. Mm. Um, yeah, and so, leading on now from where, obviously, the topic today is taking care of your mentals yeah. and staying mindful. Mm. Um, and it's a particularly pertinent time in life to be doing that because oh, there's this little thing called COVID-19 that's oh, yeah. kind of upended everything. Everything, yeah. Um, and it was, it's been pretty extreme and the experiences of that, the ex- my experience has been relatively okay compared to most. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously I rang you last week after something had happened uh, that I witnessed, which was genuinely and just I, i'm still sort of shocked by it yeah um and and i've had a lot of friends ring me uh, with 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 sort of personal issues and these aren't friends in coffee it's friends that you know they're living in regional towns or whatever and they're feeling very isolated and they, yeah. they're literally having to stay in their houses and um you know this state of australia gets quite cold um yeah quite quite, quite cold in the winter time so i feel like that is a source of sort of um, it compounds the level of sadness when you're confined to your house. There's no football and, you know... Oh, yeah. I love my football and I miss <laughs> that and a lot of my friends do as well. But life isn't normal at the moment, is it? No, no, it's not. And um, I find, like, in, for myself, there's been many patches over my life where that feeling of loneliness has sunken in so much that it's hard to get out of it. It's hard to find distractions to motivate yourself to get up. And when you did call me and told me the story about um, what happened to you, you know, what you witnessed recently, mm. it took me a moment to really stop and think about it. And, yeah, like, uh, you should totally tell the story. Well, yeah, I will. And it's very, um, it's very daunting. And for anyone listening in Australia, um, if, if you need to, there's, there's services that can help. It's like Lifeline and Headspace. Mm-hmm. And, and when we post the podcast, we'll, we'll post the details for that as well yeah. because it's very important. And if you're listening uh, in from another country... Um, certainly explore your options with online support for mental health and, and calling friends because you're not alone and, um, you know, seek help if you need to. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's not – you're not being brave or you're not doing anyone a favour by keeping it in. So Yeah, um, you should never feel guilty either. Yeah, and never feel guilty. Do yourself a favour and if you need to talk to someone, talk to someone. Because you're worth it. You are worth it. Um, but what – we, what I did see last week was obviously very shocking and so I was on my morning walk and when I walk uh, in the part of Melbourne that I live in, there's a highway and uh, quite a tall bridge over that highway. And so on my way back from my walk, so I was not far from home, mm. um, I, had, I had my headphones in and I was listening to a, uh, another podcast and I looked up and I saw um, some people waving their arms around and so there's two people standing at the rail of the bridge and there's another person on the other side. And so they're, this person's trying to jump. Yeah. And so they had this guy by the jumper. Uh, the other, there was a lady as well. So there was a guy that had him held by the jumper and there was a lady that had him by one of his arms and he's desperately trying to just jump off this bridge yeah. onto a highway. And you, know, you can imagine the, um, the result, what the result of that would have been. And I just ran 
like I've never ran before mm-hmm. and grabbed onto this guy and Fuck. the three of us um, were literally just trying to pull him over yeah. uh, the bridge and and then and then another bystander ran over and we all managed to to get him over and pin him down and um, you know he's very irate and you know sort of swinging at us trying to hit us begging us to let him yeah. let him let him jump and uh, luckily enough the police arrived quickly after and and. Uh, I mean, didn't play. I guess place him under arrest would be the the categorization, but sort of subdued him and 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 took him away. But I think uh, if I should also mention that the police handled that sort of situation with such professionalism on the day, yeah, and made sure that all of us were okay at the time, and mm-hmm. and gave us some numbers to ring if we needed to, and said uh, if you need really to come good. to the station to talk to us, feel free. You're yeah. more than welcome. And I guess that's um, that's. That was a beautiful sign of progression here in Australia and just sort of, you know, knowing that the machismo sort of attitude for men isn't really obligatory, I guess yeah. you could say. And that yeah, was yeah, yeah. a beautiful thing. But, I get, you know, I called you the day after and, and asked if you wanted to come on the podcast and talk about these things because in our industry there would be so many people like that. And, yeah. and um, you know, you're looking at people that are facing know financial abyss because of this and not just in australia in cafes all across the world in mm. at countries of origin that are produced uh, producing countries this is a crisis for the world and for our industry and if we're looking at and i can't i can't sort of reach out to people in other industries like i can in the coffee industry and yeah i guess you would be the same but we're, we're dealing with a, a, a huge issue oh yeah yeah massive issue um and situations like the one that you witness is stories that I've been reading about as well as people are in such dire financial just times that that seems to them like the only other option Mm. and it's it's I know I know it's hard for some people to even relate to it Mm -hmm. especially if you've never experienced it but when you feel like that's your only option you convince yourself it's it's not just a quick decision it's like you you've convinced yourself that there's nothing else I can do like I'm too tired I'm too weak I'm not mm. I'm not strong enough and, and all that kind of stuff comes into it like gosh knows what was going through that guy's mind but yeah like with the entire industry the way it is most people um being casual or part-time not being eligible for, for in Australia uh you can get a government um, incentive called JobKeeper um, if you had been working for 12 months with a company or whatever, no matter what industry. And it's the casual baristas and the part-timers that have no work, haven't been able to work over the apocalypse, and they're the ones that are, like, isolated, completely broke. Like, you know, um, there was a really cool thing that happened on Chapel Street um, with a mix of the bars where they were doing a food service and they were running it through a Facebook page where you could um, pay like $10, $15 and different people at different bars were like doing up big cooks and mm. just either doing food in trade or food for $10, $15 and they would just rock up to your house, be like, cool, here's like 10 containers of curry or whatever, mm. 10 bucks, saw your latte. Like, yeah, and that's the, that's the financial side of this and I think we're very privileged in australia that we haven't actually had a huge amount of deaths yeah the virus so lucky the virus has been contained very well yeah to to the credit of you know the state governments and the federal government i mean Mm -hmm. i don't think anyone can dispute that um but 
if you, I can, I, my heart goes out to those people in countries like America and England and oh Italy, gosh, Spain, yeah. France, yeah. Uh, Brazil. Um, like we couldn't even comprehend what they've experienced. Like, yeah, and the, you know, you can imagine the mood when uh, I think in Britain, like mm-hmm. if if you see the Prime Minister Boris Johnson, yeah. who, um, I mean, I, I I can't comment on the political situation there, but he himself contracted the virus and nearly died. Yeah, and that's just. When, when your country's prime minister is in that way, it must be worrying. Oh, definitely. Like, yeah, we're, we're so lucky that um, that Scott Morrison, I think, through this entire thing has just stood his ground and done what he thought was going to be the best for us as the people. Mm. Um, and I'm really proud to be an Australian through this time as well. Yeah, and he's a guy that's not looked upon fondly. No. Massive. Uh, <laughs> but uh, now I look at him very differently. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I still, I have, personally, I haven't forgotten everything about the bushfires, and yeah, you know, this isn't a podcast about the bushfires. But <laughs> he, he's, he's, you know, he's um, this crisis in Australia has been managed somewhat efficiently. I mm-hmm. mean, and the key indicator there being the 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 low amount of cases and the very low amount of deaths. And yeah, I mean, that's the only metric I can go on so far. But in that in that department, hey, they've done well, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, yeah, we're very we're in a very fortunate position in Australia, but I guess why we're here yes. is to talk about obviously acknowledging people's sadness at this time, and you know we're not mental health experts, oh we're, gosh, we're no. not counsellors, and we're not psychologists, we're not psychiatrists, but you know I think there's still value in letting people know that they're able to talk about this, and it's okay to be feeling negative. Yeah, so, and I completely agree with that as well. Like, sometimes you just need validation. Sometimes things are just really shitty and you just need someone to be like, yeah, they are. Mm. Yeah, they are. And give you a hug. Um, Or, well, we can't hug at the moment because of Rona. But, like, you know, even just reaching out to a friend or if you don't have a friend, there's plenty of services you can call, plenty of services that I've used over the years when I felt like I was just too guilty and embarrassed to tell anyone how I was really feeling. Mm. And, that, and that's 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 a good that's a good segue into you know people like yourself and people like myself acknowledging that there's yeah. before even coronavirus happened we we both are individuals that felt immense sadness at times of our lives yeah and and it's it just go and hopefully anyone that listens to this can sort of think well yeah I'm okay with talking to a friend it's not about going public you know no you oh, yeah. there's no need to um do that but if you feel that you need to talk to someone yeah it's just doing what like you feel comfortable with but then also recognizing um where you're at as well i think is really important like something that i've learned um uh working with uh, social workers at the Alfred hospital and family violence units is you know labeling things is recognizing like taking a second to stop when something happens labeling it whether that be okay this situation's happened and now i'm having an emotional response what is that emotional response and why and is that going to be productive or is that going to be negative so almost like breaking things down but learning how to do it fastly enough like quickly enough so you can make rational and practical decisions in the moment even if it is really hard or really painful, it's like we all need to do a bit of this in our days, you know, to function as humans. Mm. Um, but, yeah, definitely focusing on that and uh, mindfulness, which is more about kind of looking inside yourself and 
appreciating what you have, who you are and what you're about. Like it's, yeah. And I think for me, I was very shocked at the start of the COVID-19 crisis Mm. because um, obviously what we do is we have pop-ups and um, at Sub-Zero and pretty much all the money we had made, we had planned to get ourselves overseas. So we had had a pop-up planned in Singapore and one planned in Jakarta as well. And um, basically I just put all the money to take myself and one other person over there and and try and, and... and have make a it go work at it. and yeah. have a go at it and um the dream was squashed before it even began because yeah. you know we booked all the flights and 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 everything and pretty much i shit you not all the money we had made is just gone mm. and that was a that was a tough pill to swallow at the time but um i guess between now uh, between then and now um it's really taught me that there's so many more important things and you know i guess the Everyone's going through the same thing. Yeah. You know, pity me, I've lost a few dollars, but there's entire companies that are collapsing. And oh, yeah. F- people who can't look after their families. In the grand scheme of things, I'm doing quite fine compared to a lot. Yeah. But um, I guess, yeah, there's, for me, what's, what's sort of come out, the, the one positive thing is that mm. I've connected so much more with my family than I would have otherwise, and I've connected so much more with my friends. And um, I live with a great bunch of people as well, so mm. I'm in a situation where I'm constantly being social in a way. Yeah. Which is, I'd be screwed without that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd be actually doomed if I if I, my circumstances was living by myself. But mm. what's it been like for you? Oh my gosh, for me, it's been uh, it's been a time. I was I was in a really bad position before Corona happened um, because of uh, some. <laughs> some um because of uh being in a domestically abusive relationship for an, almost a decade and um getting out of it like midway through last year properly towards the end of the year uh financially I was completely strapped like for for most of 2019 I was either living at a hostel or c- crashing on people's couches and stuff like that um and I'd finally gone to a place mentally with a lot of help from a lot of people where I was ready to take on another job and for me, that was that job with honour, but everything got pushed back, which is fine. It, it happens. Mm. And, um, yeah, I've – yeah, <laughs> it's like I was so broke that I was <laughs> – this is like a your mama joke. <laughs> I was so broke I was living on, like, frozen chips and I was, like, getting uh, food from churches and stuff like that because I just I, – I didn't have any money before it and then it completely, like, stopped me from being able to make any more money. Um, at the time and then with Centrelink payments being delayed because so many people were applying and stuff like that, there was a couple months there where I was I, – I lost so much that it became liberating. I got to a point where I had absolutely nothing and, yes, I do have people that I love around me, but they're far away. Mm. And that moment when I realised I had nothing was the moment that I started trying again. Well, that's yeah. I mean, there's so much. Thank you for sharing for starters. But um, and you know, it's incredibly brave of you to you know outline everything you just did. And I think a lot of people listening to this would, I think, yeah. you know, respect, mm. respect, um, Jess. And I, I had no idea, even myself, that you had endured all of that with. Um, like I knew a little bit about your relationship, sort of. Yeah. Um, and, but you know, surfing couches and living off 
McCain's chips and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, 2019 was it. <laughs> and then 2020. Um, yeah, but for me, it's it's doing what I have to to survive. But through everything that I've been through, it's it's made me, I don't want to say be funnier, but it's like I've I've seen and I've faced so much and dealt with so much that like sometimes I'll just laugh because mm. I'll be like, this is so ridiculous. So we're just uh, going to bring up a, a little reminder here that if you if what you're listening to is distressing or bringing up any trauma for you, you can contact Lifeline on 131114. This is an Australian number, of course. 131114 or if your life is in danger, call Tripazura and Jess. I would also like to say uh, if you're experiencing family violence or domestic violence, uh, feel free to reach out to 1-800-RESPECT. They've helped me a lot over the years. Uh, there's also in Melbourne uh, Orange Door and Safe Steps. Both those organisations can help you um, get food, shelter and also social workers to uh, help you get through whatever times you need. Yep, well said, well said. Now back on to uh, we'll, you, know, you had just told us your story about... Um, yeah, everything you've endured throughout the years. You're feeling better now, though? Like, you're, you're doing better? Yeah, uh, through all of this experience, like, especially the last two years, getting out of, you know, an eight-year relationship that was – that just consumed me mentally and scrambled my brain and, like, putting – finding the energy that I didn't have to deal with it. And I could have – I couldn't have done that without – you know, the support of 100 Respect and um, Family Violence Unit in Victoria and the Alfred Hospital. But they got me on the right track to seeing and believing that I'm worth enough to try, which was such a hard thing for me. And I feel like a lot of us sometimes get into moments where we're like, what, I'm not good enough or I couldn't, I couldn't possibly do that or like, why should I try? And a really cute and like dorky thing they've been getting me to do is look in the mirror and say two nice things about yourself every day. Mm. Not not like you're wearing nice threads and stuff like that. Like look into yourself and say nice things to yourself and learn to like love yourself and build yourself up that way and in turn building confidence. Like everything that I've experienced has only made me stronger and has only made me want to be here more. Yeah, and it's, it's so important and, and interesting that you bring that up because I've got a friend right now that I'm – speaking to on the phone probably two or three times a week mm-hmm. and he's been feeling suicidal and yeah. um and which is obviously heartbreaking mm-hmm. and to for to know someone since childhood like I've known this person it's you know it breaks my heart to hear but you know I guess it's comforting in a way that he's contacted me and he's been brave enough to tell one of his his close friends and Definitely. we're talking about it but I guess the worrying the, the, the he doesn't see in himself what I see in him yeah. and what everyone else sees in him. But and you it just can't, though, when you're in it. And, and it goes to show, though, there's people in society that are just laying low about all of these things and uh, probably not opening up when perhaps it would be of benefit to them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is a circumstantial thing. If, mm-hmm. if, if, if your way of dealing with it is effective in, in sort of not sharing, then... Oh, yeah, do what's best for you. Approach, uh, approach, approach it in whatever way you think will be of benefit to you. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's been it's been tough to, to sort of hear such a close friend say things like that. But in a way, I wish he would just embrace all the good things about himself because there is genuinely so much good about this person mm. that confuses me that, yeah, he just doesn't see that. 
but that's and coming from the other side of that it's when you're in it when you're in that black hole when you're in that abyss uh, you can't see that like you can't even fathom it you're so pigeonholed into this mindset of I'm not good enough that you can't see anything else like for me as an artist I still sometimes walk into my room and see my paintings and ask myself who the fuck painted that like I and they're exquisite <laughs> paintings. Like I, I, I wish I could draw them myself. But like that that uh, installation of self doubt is bred over a course of years. It's not something that happens overnight. It's something that happens over years. And like any bad habit, it's three days, three weeks, three months to change it. Mm. So in in that specific, like you know, with your with your friend and stuff like that, if it was like, I would hope that you would just encourage him to see himself. Because your opinion of him is your opinion. He needs to have that opinion of himself. Mm. That's what's worked for me. And I guess genuinely believe it as well. And that's probably which is harder again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and I've been there myself. You know, yeah. Had my own sort of battle with depression in my younger years, and um, and dealing with some of the stuff that you know we mentioned before. And um, I guess I do appreciate myself a lot more now. And, you know, this is hopefully anyone who listens to this and, um, you know, of course, it, it's not something that goes away forever. Everyone, mm. I think everyone more or less experiences depression at some stage in their oh, life. Oh, definitely. Or We're so only human. Some sort, <laughs> We're know. emotional beings. But um, denying it is perhaps not the best way of going about it and mm. embracing that it is a thing and um, that... There is support out there, like we mentioned before. If you need to call Lifeline, please do so, yeah. or, or whatever that is in your respective country that you're in. Um, there is support out there. Yeah, no, there really is. And one of the hardest things for me was uh, believing there was support for me locally, which is my family or friends or people that I know. It's hard sometimes to actually, you know, get on and you know, actually give someone a call and tell them how you're feeling. But you really, really should because, like I said earlier, like we both said earlier, it's because you're worth it. Mm. Like, no matter how dark times are, you're so worth it. Exactly. And let's let's sort of bring this – let's tie this in with the coffee industry a mm-hmm. little bit more yeah. because I think it was something that was a bit of a problem before COVID-19, mm-hmm. let's be honest. And when we're, we're talking about um, in Australia there's – We've got a pretty good, pretty good minimum wage compared to most countries in the world, yeah. and um, you know if you're working somewhere like America, where you know your the wage is probably lower, yeah, much and, lower, <laughs> and um, you know they people rely on tips and certain things. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Um, you know it's, I guess we're privileged in a way here, but I think there's also a bit of a sinister element in Australia and Melbourne more broadly because we have um, a very Wage theft, uh, as a term, wage yeah. theft is very prominent in Extremely the prominent. hospitality yeah. industry, and and some organisations they say that it is a business model. Um, <laughs> yep. for, and there's a lot of there's been a lot of high profile cases in in Australia and Melbourne. I won't name them because mm-hmm. we don't want to make en- enemies on the humble little Sub Zero Coffee yes. podcast. But yes. it, <laughs> everyone everyone, know, everyone knows it exists. Yeah, and um, I think people. That's one element, but I think people carry their mental illness into work, and um, because they have to, and mm. you know people need to pay their own bills, and um, it's just it's just a it's a very disappointing part because when you're working in hospitality or as a barista, yeah, 
you need part of your job is having a, sm- a smile on your face oh, and yeah. serving um, coffee and giving the smile and the experience. But that's just not – you just can't give that every day. And I think people get the perception of you that if you are having a bad day, then you're not doing your job properly and that can have yeah. a that can be compounding. That can create this spiral effect. Yeah, definitely. Um, having to put the face on all day, it's like some days it'll come naturally because you have a good day. But we all have good days and bad days because we are human and working in a service industry where we're dealing with customer service all the time. If you're working, you know, four or five days a week, 50 hours a week, can you smile for that long? Like, Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I think we... I think chefs in particular in the hospitality and industry in Australia, hell, probably even across the world, um, they're working in very tough situations, very – kitchens are very um, confrontational from from my experience working in them, you know, having been a dishy and having some some fry pans thrown at me was Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. interesting. But that's the norm though. And, you know, you you hear horror stories and and chefs work exhausting amounts of hours in Australia and – um, you know, I have so much respect for the profession because um, for the amount of effort that they put in, the amount of craftsmanship that goes into a lot of food mm-hmm. in Melbourne, we have a great food scene, Yeah. Um, and the amount of time they put in, it really isn't reflected in the pay packet that they get and the, the remuneration, I guess, that they receive. Yeah, but that's uh, – it's such a tough thing with service industry, like, like hospitality in particular, because it's not really considered like – a nine-to-five job that's going to get paid, you know, a good 70, 80K a year or whatever, you know, it's a job for people in the interim or for chefs. It's like, yes, you do need a qualification for it and whatnot, but still hospitality being hospitality, we're constantly having to negotiate our wages or salaries or whatever to make sure that we're getting paid what we're worth. You've got to fight for the minimum. You have to fight for it. Mm. And the something that I have said a lot over the years, the contrast of coming from New South Wales to Victoria, I was mortified. New South Wales, I was getting paid $27 an hour as a head barista. I came to Melbourne and I was back down to 19. Mm. And that was normal. And I had to put up with it because if I said anything about it, then they'd just find someone else. And I guess that's partly brought on by the amount of cafes that are in Melbourne and mm-hmm. um, this... I love the Melbourne coffee culture and yeah. I think... It's um, changed a lot in the last, you know, five, six years. <laughs> like, things are better now, like, mm. but yeah, still. Yeah, and, and it will continue to change a lot after this because I dare say a lot of venues perhaps won't reopen. Yeah. And um, a particular group of or cohort of people I have a lot of sympathy for in Australia is international students. Oh, that is yeah. That is students who travel from overseas to study uh, at an Australian... Uh, university mm-hmm. and or vocational learning facility and in Australia we, we've got a very punitive migration system or, 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 or system for these students because you're allowed to work a maximum of like 20 hours a week or something yeah and for 20 hours a week you need to be able to pay your rent mm-hmm. you need to pay your university fees which are tens of thousands of dollars a year yeah how on God's green earth are you supposed to do that working 20 hours a week you must I mean if you're working for it's not it a, a, You'd have to be some sort of, you know, management consultant to be yeah, to, exactly. to be able to effectively yeah. make do. Yeah, yeah, like um, people, uh, twenty hours a week is nothing. It's mm. nothing. Like for me, I I've been able to scrounge together like maybe thirteen, fourteen hours a week. But a few months ago, I couldn't pay rent. I couldn't pay bills. I was completely 
fucked, <laughs> like completely. So, and I'm someone that's eligible for for Centrelink benefits and stuff like that. Whereas a lot of these international students, they're not. And worse than that is people. Uh, and this is only I've only seen this kind of thing happen in Melbourne during Corona. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is the amount of racism that's come out because of it, and it's towards international students as well. Yeah, it's terrifying because unfortunately, unfortunately, that is more prevalent than we would like in Australia. And, you know, we have a great multicultural uh, society, city, yeah. society yeah. and... Um, and That's why I love Melbourne. It's like it's so welcoming to everyone and anyone, no matter what you create, no matter who you are. It's like people want to know what your abilities are. But there are that small amount of people that do sort of bring up the... And it's not small in the sense that it's not one or two cases, but it is... People from a different time, I find... Yeah, well, it could be for any reasons, but, you know, hate is taught. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and hopefully we get to a part of society. And, you know, the, the elephant in the room here is that the Asian community community have been targeted a lot more than yeah. than others. And um, it was even when this all started and it was, wasn't – there wasn't really a coronavirus case in Australia yet. There was people that just wouldn't go to Chinese restaurants, which is – Yeah, that was just, a weird one. That was just dumb. That was so weird, like – I mean, the the threat could be from any restaurant, let alone you know, <laughs> yeah. pointing, pointing the finger. But anyway, Co- um, Corona isn't isn't a racist, you know, virus. It attacks everyone and anyone. And I think for me, it it was really upsetting to see so much racism because I thought the world would have more solidarity as this is something that's affected all of us to mm. come together as a community, as a planet of people mm. and being able to have empathy and care for each other. Whereas, you know, yeah, and seeing that, I was just kind of like, oh, rose-tinted glasses off. Like, yeah, there's still yeah. assholes out there. But, you know, there probably will be for the rest of our lives. Exactly. And, um, <laughs> I, <guess laughs> I the, have to think there won't be. <laughs> I guess the we can only we can only control things that affect us to an extent so i mean you know mm. i guess we have to just ignore those people um because if if you just pay no attention to what their sort of the views they're sort you're of not feeling them yeah and i guess to to not react is hard yeah um, it is easier, <laughs> easier said than done but i guess yeah. just don't give these people anything no. um you know don't give them much to work with no they suck but going back to the co- where the coffee works into this. Yes, of course. Um, it's not like people can take mental health leave, like they can take sick leave. Oh gosh, no. In in and that's probably something. That's probably something where we need to work towards as an industry or as an, as a society. Yeah. Um, because people, I mean, if you have got a broken arm or a broken leg, then you can't work on a bar. Yeah. But if and but if your soul's broken. You're expected to. Yeah, and then you're expected to put on the, the face and stuff like that too. Um, yeah, I've experienced this a lot over the years, um, especially uh, dealing with what I was having to do with at home with the domestic abuse and stuff like that. Um, I would be completely split and torn because I, I developed this kind of almost personality where I was a completely different person at home than I was on bar and it's like I was completely split in two. And trying to control like the person I was on bar being like striving for perfection and and always you know pushing myself as a barista and as an artist and stuff like that. But then I come home and I'm as quiet as a mouse. I'm just trying to like you know 
not piss anyone off and like walking on eggshells and stuff like that it's and there've been situations where I haven't been well and I haven't been okay because of the reasons in my personal life and I have very rarely felt like I've been able to express those and not that I'm looking for sympathy but more that I'm just like hey I'm not okay and I feel like most other industries have the resources or at least an HR department to be like, cool, you're not okay, this is what we need to do. Like, yeah, it's, there's been few times where I've felt like I've had that support. Um, but I really hope in hospitality that in, it, even just in general, it's just a conversation that needs to be had. Mm. And sometimes people, like I said earlier, sometimes they just need to either be validated or just need – they just need to know that there's someone there that's thinking about them. And to go back to, you mentioned before that you had this uh, uh, exercise that you did where you looked in the mirror and yeah. had, had some nice things to say about yourself yeah. every day. Has there, any, has there been any other sort of things that you've done that have improved your own um, self-value, I guess we could put it? Like? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so not saying derogatory things to myself, um, towards myself. And in Australia, we we generally say pretty derogatory things, you know, towards ourselves or towards, towards mm. others, using swear words and stuff like that. So um, not referring to myself as an idiot when I fuck up was a big, surprisingly a big one. But instead of um, saying negative things, I'll say positive things. Uh, in a situation where I'm under like serious amounts of stress and stuff like that, a really good one is grounding. Um, you may have heard of it before, but if you're if you can, if you sit in a chair and you feel your feet on the ground, and then you feel the ground, you feel your shoe, and then you realize, okay, I'm sitting in a chair. Cool, I'm sitting in a chair. What else am I doing? You know, my my hands might be on my knees. Oh, I have knees. The idea of that is to is to distract you but also to focus you so you can, you know, actually deal with whatever situation you're in. And that's something I've used in hospitality over the years as well. Like, Do you think an element is, of this is not punishing yourself for having negative thoughts as well? Oh, like, definitely. Because I think in the past for me, like I'll, hmm. I'll have, um, you know, to give you one example, I had a girlfriend that I broke up with a few years yeah. ago and thought about her quite a lot after mm-hmm. and would sort of punish myself for thinking about her and you know but I guess you if I look back now I think yeah. okay well actually need to embrace that some things just take time and you know yeah. and going through that those motions inevitably you're going to feel a certain way yeah and that's fact but you shouldn't punish yourself for it because Gosh, that will create an even bigger issue yeah and I think that it also creates a lot of negativity as well. Like as painful as it is, something that was really hard for me was to live the emotion in the moment. So in that kind of situation where like heartbreak and stuff like that, it's like sometimes we just want to push it down so we can get on with our day, but it's going to catch up with you. Mm. So giving yourself time, giving yourself a moment where you can feel that, no matter how painful it is, like if it's heartbreak or, or death or whatever, it's actually feeling it and embracing it. And once you can work through that, that's when you can start to rebuild or, you know, recognise other areas that maybe I've been pushing this down and I need to feel this. Like I need to actually sit down and meditate on it. What about replacing hate with love? Well... <laughs> because I, I feel like... There was a time in my life where yeah. I genuinely hated people and it consumed so much of my day. Yeah. And in what I didn't realise at the time is that that directing that level of hatred 
it actually consumed me. Yeah. And um, to to explain this further, if you're hating someone, mm-hmm. you're directing negative energy towards them. But I don't think a lot of people, well, I particularly didn't, realise the impact of directing that energy. Mm-hmm. You know? To hate someone comes at a great personal cost. Yeah. No matter what they've done to you, you don't have to... You don't have to think they're a great person, but having s- sympathy for people, mm-hmm. um, approaching things with love, acceptance, yeah. you know, accepting people, accepting yourself for who you are, mm-hmm. it's so much easier to do that than... It is, but in the moment it's so hard because that anger is so consuming and forgiveness is also painful. Mm. Like humans' as emotions, most of these are painful. Uh, like They'll eventually get good, like all things do, but, you know... If you can manage to fuel that rage into, I, I would personally add a step of forgiveness to make sure it doesn't creep up on me again later. But if you can get from anger to forgiveness to like projecting love, then that's that's incredible. And I hope that and I wish that for everyone, even if it takes you a day, a week or a month. It's like if you if you do have you know, qualms with someone and there is hate there, actually sitting down and figuring out why do I hate this person? Is it because maybe they're better than me is it a reflection of myself am i projecting like what is the actual reason behind it and then learning how to forgive and then learning how to work through that and then learning how to love and you probably have good reason to sort of think ill of certain people and um and i guess for lack of a better phrase hate them Mm -hmm. um and and you're you're obviously applying this in your everyday life and you know given the experiences that you have described to us throughout this podcast have you forgiven? Have you not hated? So it's taking me a very long time, a very long time. Um, most, uh, like I did a post a few months ago um, where I, uh, a few months ago, probably before Rona, um, where I did uh, talk about the domestic abuse and the family violence and all that kind of stuff. And there were some people that were saying, oh, you know, hate him and he should fucking die and all this kind of shit i immediately jumped in the comments and even at that time when i hadn't forgiven him i wasn't defending him but what i did want to say is you need to see this from his perspective as well which is he's not okay he needs help too Mm. just as i did Mm. and i guess i mean the the priority i guess would be your health and safety and oh that's um, that's my first and foremost priority but i think it takes a bigger person to be able to see that we're all struggling in different ways and what that person had has done to me isn't okay, but they were also dealing with a lot of things as well. I guess it's important to make a clarification or um, a clarification here is that we're not saying... Obviously, the victims are in a lot of cases in Australia and probably throughout the world mm. are actually the source of the blame. So oh, God, no. Vic- God, no. Vic- it's, it's this, like, for me, me talking about this time, this is, like, out of it. This mm. is after months of therapy and like but, but i guess what i want <laughs> like to clear up that is that point. you're not saying that immediately go to an abuser and 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 for uh, for, for people looking oh, external no. i just wanted to clarify that we're, no. we're, we're not suggesting that at all it all happens in your own time at your own pace and for me i went through literally three months of seriously intense like psychologists psychiatrists social workers family in so many of the cases like the victim has to carry so much in 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 such situations like, yeah you know they why didn't you speak sooner is a question that a lot of oh people oh my are, god ask, you know or why are you still there yeah oh. and it's just like there's so much more complexity to that oh. and um yeah i really think it's important that we make that that point is that um 
because victims in these situations are blamed yeah so much which is disgusting um but i feel like that's just a, a lack of understanding and perception um people oh, wow and i think a lot of people don't understand the emotional side of it as well there's the physical know. side which is obviously but the emotional manipulation that goes uh into these things is that i think domestic violence victims are made to feel like well you need me by their abusers you're nothing without yeah me. like every situation is individual and different but um that's something that i i seriously felt i was at a point for a very long time where i couldn't leave the house like i felt like if i left if i opened that front door then my entire world was gone because he was my entire world um so yeah but i'm definitely not saying at all that like if you're in that situation you're not the victim because you are but you should also try and see it as changing it from the victim to the person that overcomes to the person that can fight through it and can get out of that space even though it's terrifying it's mm. terrifying to go out on your own if you've been consumed mentally by someone for so many years mm. and relying on them and being just trapped mm. in the fishbowl and there's there's more there's there's complications to this as well because obviously you're an individual without children but imagine being a mother with oh children and having <laughs> having to navigate that situation it's all it's yeah and Tru- then that's truly horrific. Yeah, truly horrific. Like, and, you know, I I don't know if I can speak about this, but I've heard that you've had a bit of experience with, like, family violence and stuff like that as well. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I don't um, know. But, um, you know, it's it's a very complication... It's 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 very complicated and um, it's... it People don't really realise how much it destroys your life. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, you're expected to move on from something. And, um, and you know, I've been let down by a lot of people in my life that, yeah, it's it's something that, you know, it takes a lot to... to for, I'll never forget, but it takes yeah. a lot to forgive. And um, no one wins in these situations. <laughs> so I mean, Everyone there's, loses. There's clearly no winner and, yep. you know... If if one thing you know, I guess we should remind people this is indeed a coffee podcast. But we're just <laughs> we're just we're, we just, <laughs> we're, we're just trying to. We wanted to touch on some other stuff, especially. Um, I did say to Kirk after the story, he told me um, with the gentleman uh, in the attempted suicide is that this is something that I personally have wanted to bring up for a long time um, because of what I've gone through and because I don't want anyone else to go through it. So if this can be preventative in any way for people that are in situations of, you know, whether it be depression or family violence or whatever, it's like we want you to know that there is help, support and safety out there and you can overcome it and you can, like, continue on and create good things. And perhaps a timely reminder, if you need to call Lifeline 131114, that's an Australian number, or if your life's in danger, call triple zero. I do urge you all to check your local um, service that would obviously be similar in whatever country municipality state province you are in so uh quick disclaimer there but let's end on some positive stuff hell yeah um you're obviously doing well you're Mm -hmm, you're mm -hmm. starting a new job soon that's fantastic yeah anything else we should know about um well i feel like i just defeated the eye of sauron um to be totally honest Mm -hmm. um just gone through the hardest time of my life and so in the span of like six months i've actually gotten my life back together there were a lot of things that like as an adult I I literally couldn't do or I had 
no idea how to do because of the the previous situation. So things like business is finally legit. I'm like, oh my god, caffeinated land, what's up? Um, yeah, like you know, it's just a piece of paper saying I'm legit, but I'm like, damn, I did it for me. Hell yeah. Um, and yeah, so yeah, I got on a coffee coming up, and uh, what else? Um, oh, so I had I'd released some uh, pictures of threads that I wanted to release, like. Uh, shirts and jumpers that I wanted to bring out before the apocalypse and have pushed everything back but um all that will be uh printed by zombie junk which is a friend of mine in Port Macquarie uh she is an absolute legend artist and screen printer and we'll be collaborating together to release some uh be yourself and uh skull flame uh threads for everyone to enjoy as well so but yeah actually that's something I didn't br- that I did probably wanted to talk about but didn't mm-hmm. but you're a very flamboyant person. Oh, you know, hello. I'm looking at you right now. You've got pink hair mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and some orange. I tried for peaches. What, what, what are you? What I are tried you, for peaches. What's that makeup called? Um, oh, it's called Jeffree Star. But like the the, <laughs> uh, the eyeshadow or the that's what it is. Eyeshadow. Eyeshadow. Yeah. I know mascara. Yes. Yes. See, I I used to moisturize. <laughs> that's about <laughs> it. Like. <laughs> uh, well, I use I use shower gel. Yeah, I actually haven't washed my hair for like two years. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Yeah, nice. I, I get an irritated scalp when I wash my hair. Actually, so really, I don't, so I just oh, don't dude. wash it. Okay, well, hey, you're looking crisp. So I love it. Not bad um, about it. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I used to moisturize. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't I don't know the. Oh my god. I'm not up to date with what the kids no, are doing. No, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I totally hit the mic. Um, yeah, so uh, be yourself is something that I've always promoted on my fa- on my page. Like be yourself, having fun and staying awesome. A lot of that comes from my dad being encouraging, but then also a lot of like, you know, childhood classics that I'm into like Pokemon. But oh, I love Pokemon. Right? Mm. It's so and wholesome and so good. Oh my God, and DBC. Again, something inspiring to be powerful. Um, but yeah, like I've always just kind of been myself. And as far as makeup and hair is concerned, it's just, it's another creative outlet for me doing my makeup all the time it gets boring so having you know 30 colors to choose from makes it a little more interesting and it's almost like when I do crazy like eyeshadow looks that's like me warming up for my day Mm. me like getting pumped to like go do a creative thing or a coffee thing or like whatever it is like it's just yeah it's just another little process in my day sometimes I just want to go I, I've just watched the uh what's it called the the last dance Ooh, and in yes. it they've got obviously Dennis Rodman who's mm-hmm, an mm-hmm. interesting character in his own right I must admit it's tempting to just like paint my hair jaguar you know <laughs> like just go just do a Dennis just do a Dennis it's, it's tempting sometimes oh my gosh I'd probably feel you know in in that series uh-huh. he, he just says you know I had this you know being inside of me sort of thing <laughs> and he's just I think it was Madonna that yeah. ended up convincing him to just, you know, start being wacky Dennis, which yeah, is just be you, girl. Pretty interesting, but mm. obviously, you love the whole be yourself. Um, you know. Yeah, because I I truly believe that people should be seen on like their their credits abilities and and who they are and not how they dress and whatever. Like for me, this is what I'm comfortable in. This is what I like to look like. So why should I be judged like it's the old thing don't judge a book by its cover Mm. I I've met plenty of people over the years who look way wackier than I do who are way more successful than I am who may have a PhD who you know what I mean Mm. it's like that's why I love Melbourne is because people in Melbourne look past that it's Mm. not like in New South Wales where I'd be walking down the street and be like oi goth oi slightly (laughs) more conservative in um (laughs) 
Anecdotally speaking, I mean, there's no, I, I can't imagine there's been actual research that. Um, yeah, we that, need some stats on that. But, you know, at least anecdotally, I 100% agree. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. It's like, it's less time wasted uh, judging people and more time invested in what, what can you do? Who are you? Like, what are you capable of? Like, and I love that embracing, nurturing community that Melbourne has. Now, Jess, we're, we're coming to the end of our time here. Yes. One, yes, quest- one question I do ask mm-hmm, most people. I think mm-hmm. I forget to ask some people, but I ask most people. <laughs> What's the best coffee you've ever had? This is a coffee podcast. Remember, oh, it's a coffee podcast. Kirk, look, it's still it's still the, um, the anaerobic process geisha that I got from Sub-Zero and I totally threw out the bag. Oh, you know what? I know the, I know do you the, know the one, one I'm talking the about? Costa Rican. Yes. Roasted by Monogram Coffee. Oh, my gosh. Uh, which is that? the Kobe Dodota anaerobic natural geisha. Um, cinnamon. Cinnamon donut, we called it. And, yep. you know, it's got, got a whole lot of tropical and... And red fruits about it as well, but oh, uh, it's oh I love that you that that's your pick. That was like, and and this isn't even like a like you know a, a DL promo for you and Sub Zero. This is like seriously Christmas morning. My dad was visiting in Melbourne, and I was like, Papa Lambie, mm. you need to take a seat. I'm going to brew us up a coffee. It's going to be a real good time, a real good time. And even he tasted it, and he's like, not super into coffee, but he used to do like a lot of wine sommeliering back in the day, and he was like, Damn. <sighs> That's that's a serious like. Full credit goes to uh, Monogram Coffee on that one. Yes, and, thank you so much, Monogram Coffee, for that. Ben put the 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 guy who is part owner or a full owner. Yeah, I'm not quite sure on the management management or ownership structure there, but you know. Yeah, it's full credit it's to the them. guy with the face that did the roasting and the things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations to Ben. Well, thank you so much for your time today, and I really thank you for having um, me. I, I hope that people can sort of. Uh, Take what we've said in and, and, and particularly the stories that you've shared in and, and be able to – it's very brave of you to have, to have opened up in the way that you did. And Thank you. I genuinely just hope it helps. Even if it's just one person, it's worth it. Well, it's, you know, it's about preventing horrible circumstances and letting people know that they're not alone. But yeah. um, thanks again and to everyone at home, stay cool. <laughs>